Welcome to Blue Talks Podcast, where we present compelling narratives about entrepreneurs, innovators, and dreamers. So my sister just texted me now telling me how much she's missed me. <laughs> well, I know what she truly misses, so I open my Standbeak IBTC app and say to it, Hey, I want to transfer 5,000 naira to Funke. Done. And my post just asked me what the highest price stock is right now. Huh. I can't fold my handle, so I open my Stampic IBTC app from the comfort of my home and figure it out. Got it! You be the hero. Upgrade and take control of your finances with the new Stambic IBTC mobile app. Download or upgrade your Stambic IBTC mobile app on Google Play or Apple Store to experience seamless voice banking, stockbroking, insurance, and more from the safety of your home. From your one-stop financial services partner, Stambic IBTC. It can be. Blue Talks, brought to you by Stambic IBTC. Hi there. Welcome to today's edition of Blue Talks. On today's edition, we have an ecosystem builder. Um, he is the convener of Startup South and the founder of Havilland Hill, a tech and communications company. His role is essentially just trying to make things work by organizing workshops, seminars, trainings for members of um, the ecosystem, especially the um, ecosystem on the southeastern part of Nigeria. But before I bring him on, I just wanted to talk a bit about that ecosystem, that startup ecosystem um, that we refer to in Nigeria. Now, over the last 10 years, I've seen an influx of some serious capital through investments in startups. Some of these are materialized in very bountiful exits as well. These exits have bolstered investor confidence in startups and enriched some business founders in the process. In addition, the last few years have a few Nigerian tech firms attained the much coveted unicorn status. This has further inspired several local and international investors and taken the Nigerian scene very more seriously. This is evidenced by the recent report that Nigeria attracted the most funding in Africa in 2020, topping South Africa and Kenya. Now, these states could not have been achieved without the support of what is referred to as an ecosystem. And most of us that are familiar with the Nigerian um, tech space, we, we, we hear this word a lot. And essentially, it just refers to the the operating environment, you know, and the enablers, the people who have provided some form of support, whether it's through funding, whether it's through coaching, whether it's through some kind of mentoring exercise, whether it's through training, whether it's through um, just giving people the space to work, or whether it's providing some kind of business advisory service that in itself, um, you know, or providing an access to market and you know, a route to market. Um, or even giving them opportunity to be able to do their do a prototype or create a prototype in itself. There, you know, all of that you know refers refers to an ecosystem. Now, the thriving uh, entrepreneurial hubs like Silicon Valley and others from London or Toronto and Dubai all thrive because they have an established ecosystem that provides the right support to entrepreneurs and businesses. And these ecosystems, I might I add, also includes more established traditional businesses, includes the government, includes policymakers, includes everybody in, in every area of life in that sense. Nigeria is no different. Now, while we have an active ecosystem, we still have a lot of work to do. And that's why we're speaking with Uche Anichi today, um, founder of Startup South, and he's worked with several startups, especially um, the southern part of Nigeria. And um, we want to hear his thoughts today on ecosystem development. He does a lot of work, 
behind the scenes is one of those people you never really see at the forefront but what they do behind the scenes um, goes a long way and today he'll be sharing some of those experiences and thoughts with us welcome to blue talks Uche. thank you so much tyro for having me um it's a pleasure to be here thanks i mean it is my pleasure i think um i admire the work you do we admire the work you do in general because we see the results um we don't necessarily see the process that goes into it um, is that a correct assumption uh you're absolutely correct and um, thank you thank you for um for that as well you're correct can we meet you um uche who's uche aniche all right so uche aniche is um a technology ecosystem leader prior in nigeria for the last six years um i've basically championed the deepening of the technology ecosystem in Nigeria. So I have a background in product development and design. I've built I built a company um Haviland Hills that is essentially a marketing communication and a software company um that has that to serve several organizations and are still serving um several organizations in different capacities but i think that um a lot of the work a lot of the work that i've been associated with is has nothing to do with the companies that i built um like you rightly mentioned a lot of the work i've done it's connected to or the, a lot of the work that i am you know known for recognized for is more of the work i've done with startup south which is another organization that i founded it's essentially a startup and entrepreneurship ecosystem development um organization that that was set up to um support and educate the founders towards the emergence of a healthy startup ecosystem in nigeria with specific attention um to the south south and the southeast of nigeria essentially so yeah so that's that's who uchaniche is um thanks uchi i mean could you extend that further by telling us what inspired you to go on this journey i mean you, like you said you founded havila and hills a marketing uh-huh. and communications company um, with, and doing some tackles to advisory as well but yes then you decided to go on this journey like um sometimes or something that can be considered almost like a thankless job um uh-huh. try to de- dedicate and devote your time and energy to do this um yeah. what inspired you what what made you go on this journey all right so um it's the realization it's the realization that the type of country we want to have will be built by individuals that are visionary and not necessarily government in the sense that a lot of nigerians like to talk about when you look back at history you begin to realize that some of the advanced countries that we admire especially the us you realize that in the beginning it, it wasn't necessarily a government that put together what we now know as 
the innovation ecosystem as some people you know some people are very quick to point out the role the military complexes and all of those stuff played in the evolution of the technology ecosystem um but what they failed to realize is that before all of those military complexes and the role of those government there were works that were done by several other people in history over centuries when you look at the the history of the man who built america for instance the documentary tells a lot the documentary of the man who built america tells a lot of how the america we know today came to be when you look at that you realize that this is essentially a um individuals that felt that they could do better and teamed up together to do better and then what you now have as silicon valley the financial um, hub of that is new york and the rest of them actually you know flowed from the work those people did one way or the other and to a large extent they all, they actually also helped in shaping the leadership of what we know today as the free world and so um i believe that every country needs to evolve but i think that there's an outsized role for citizens to play in in the development of every country but i think that that role will be played more by an empowered citizenry right and that empowerment comes from wealth creation and wealth creation will come from people solving taking on the uh, the the initiative to solve problems for the for the sake of you know making money creating wealth and helping society and so we look at where we find ourselves we look at the way things are going we look at the the level of poverty that uh, exists in our country um and by extension our continent and you begin to realize that we cannot government our way out of this as much as people would like to argue otherwise and say hey you need leadership i think much more than leadership as it were you need people to first lead themselves and when you don't have people leading themselves then you have a problem because the leadership is going to come from the people who have led themselves or who hasn't led themselves so you see so so that's that's that real is that realization and i felt that if we can lead ourselves enough to do what we need to do to create wealth then a lot of the issues would have been solved because now you are solving the issue of poverty and with with the issue of poverty solved then you can you can get to solve the issue of um, leadership because we can extrapolate this and say that the poverty situation actually helps us perpetuate bad leadership because when people are hungry they t- tend to take anything that is thrown at them and by so doing they perpetuate bad leadership and so if we can within the existing infrastructure within the existing systems find ways to create wealth out of it then we can lift so many people out of poverty 
and then we can begin to make a dent at the leadership. And this can be done. A lot of organizations, in your opening statement, you had, you talked about exits that has happened in the ecosystem. Those exits that happened are, in simple terms, what you're saying is that wealth were, was created. That's what you're saying. When you say exit happened, it means that some people were able to build so much value that they were willing to sell it in real money and create wealth for so many people in the process. So if we can continue to repeat that system, and, and, and by the way, for those who argue that infrastructure needs to come first, you also need to realize that this exists that happened, happened in spite of infrastructure deficiencies in the system. So if that was possible, then a lot more is possible. And, and it is this realization that has driven me on this part for us to be able to create wealth. I mean, I didn't expect you to give such a deep response to it, but I see where your passion comes from now. I mean, um, with all our all my interactions with you, but I must say, I mean, um, you mentioned one of my uh, best documentaries, um, "The Men Who Built America," um, yeah. chronicling the lives, chronicling the lives of, um, I think, Vanderbilt, yes, Vanderbilt. Uh, J.P. Morgan. I think um, Edison, I think Tesla was the other guy, uh, and then yeah. Larry Ford as well. And I think you're right in terms of um, people talking about, you know, the role of the military, but sometimes also uh, not recognizing the role of that uh, certain individuals played in laying basic foundations for the growth of um, certain economies. But I mean, um, just quickly as well, I think the role of the military, especially in developing the development of or in innovation, the growth of innovation in the West or in other parts of the world, was a consequence of the times in which they found themselves or the world found itself. There were a lot of mm -hmm. wars being fought from the First World War, you know, to the second between the First World War and the Second World War. There were a lot of innovations, you know, so. Them early um, your, 1980s. Taiwo, sorry to cut in, right? You're correct about positioning that role within a time context. You're, you're, very, you're very correct. However, you need to realize that if the West didn't have the might to compete, right? If they didn't have the might to compete, then that role cannot be properly positioned in that time context. It is the might to compete that was brought about by some of the work that these guys that you've mentioned have done that made it possible for the West, um, for, for them to be able to compete and then to, for you to then situate that time, that context, or contextualize it in that manner. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. I'm in agreement with you. No, I'm, I, I was just trying to further, I think, bring some context to it. You know, when we talk about it. Okay. Because, Great. I mean, we look at it and say that, I mean, Nigeria has been the giant of Africa for a very long time. For as long as I've known, we are, by all accounts, a rich country, even if we haven't tapped into all the wealth and all the resources that we need. I mm. mean, the Nigerian troops led ECOMOG for a very long time and probably still do. So, you know, uh, I'm not even sure if they're still ECOMOG, but the reality is, we have the capacity to do some of these things there, but we haven't found ourselves in those similar situations and in those times as well, where we had aerial warfare, 
when we had our people had to innovate when it came to flight. They had to innovate in terms of advanced weaponry weaponry and artillery. They had to innovate when it came to communication systems. They had to innovate when it came to even things like espionage, you know, in terms of passing information across and storing information. And mm-hmm. a lot of innovation came because those needs were required and you had a lot of merch. I mean the internet was a was the, the brainchild of, yeah of, of the, the military of a, of a military um project that's mm. the truth most people don't realize that so and it's been around mm. since i think the, the late 60s or, or, or there about sometime in the 70s you know mm. only kind of getting commercialized uh maybe being made open some sometime in the 80s or thereabouts and then finally um started seeing the boom and growth of the 90s where it became more domesticated but I mean, mm. we can have those conversations on another day. I think um, our audience gets the gist of some of the <laughs> Yeah, but before before we sign off from this from this thought, right? Uh, there's something I think we need to also make a a, a, a distinction um, by, you know, what you like what you said. You said something around the fact that we have not had the same type of um, scenario that you know gave birth to some of those innovations but I, and i don't i don't think i agree with that in the sense that i think what has happened i think we've had some some of those those scenarios and i'll say it in two ways right one is that we've had a civil war where we needed to where innovation things were some of the innovations that came out of the civil war we didn't leverage right then secondly is that we live in a globalized society now where we're not just competing you know those those cold war era helped innovation but right now the need for survival as a country is enough to actually drive innovation right uh, because when you look at all of what's happening you do you want to ask yourself the question What's happening in China? Why is China almost overtaking the U.S. now, if not already overtaking the U.S. as the biggest economy, right? They are the verge of overtaking the U.S. as the biggest economy, right? Why is that? What sort of wars did they have to fight? What kind of crisis led to all of those, right? So they may not be the right type of example to bring when we're discussing the role of citizenry, um, but it's also not far from the truth that they cut it. So, like you said, we can move on from this conversation. But at least we agree on we agree on the role of the citizenry and what we need to be able to do on this. So, so we can move on from this and you know to other things. Thank you, Uche. I I don't say that lightly. I just know that we can stay on this topic for the next five hours. I <laughs> really, I really know things there. Uh, you know you're you're right out there doing these things every day but i do i do truly appreciate your perspective on this and i agree with everything you said as well i mean Enugu was the center of innovation during the biafra war from some of the things that materials i've read um in history okay so but um i want to get your perspective um in in a second you're an ecosystem builder can you give an overview of the nigerian SME space so what what's it like from the perspective of the builder speaking through the lens of small um, of an SME, whether tech or otherwise, um, from a startup, what what have you experienced? What are the things that come to you to talk about? What are the good, what are the high points? What are the low points? 
personally, I think that the Nigerian semi space has witnessed a lot of activities in recent time. No thanks to the fact that there is the job situation is worsening. So a lot of people who graduate from school today are not um, are not sure of getting employed. So from 2010 downwards, you started hearing mantras like be your own boss and stuff like that. Stop looking for job, create job and all of that stuff. And I think that a lot of that has caught on. So Nigeria service space is waxing strong. And by the way, um, the SME space is creating a lot of job, as it were. It's like a filler. But I think that if we are to create, if we are to create wealth, we would need to focus on creating corporations, businesses that can become large corporations, um, because those would then support the SMEs eventually. We need to be able to create the businesses and the likes of the banks, the big banks, they don't have to work in the financial services sector. We need to be able to create businesses in the, that, you know, large services, corporation, manufacturing, all those type of businesses need to be created intentionally because those would then go and support the SMEs. And that's one way we can effectively create work. Because the truth is that the SMEs, you say the SMEs create work, but you know that the average bill of an SME is barely higher than the national, national minimum wage. And in that sense, when you have no, no, no country is prosperous by just paying national minimum wage to citizenry. Um, so, so you need to find a way to make sure that you're able to build large corporates that can, you know, employ more people and can also pay well. And in so doing, there is money to go around in the system that supports the SMEs and ensure that there is the, the, the right classes, the middle class and all of that stuff are sustained or sustainable. So that's my perspective. I mean, it's subject to other people's opinion, but I mean, what I mean is, it's subject to people are free to have their own, they're free to have their own opinion about this, but this is mine and this is part of what drives the work that we do. Thanks a lot, Uche. Um, I, I, I think um, the more you speak, the, the, the clearer your things are with in terms of your your the passion you have, and I can hear it clearly, you know, behind your voice, behind what you say. Now, um, based on your experience and working with startups, yeah. what are some of the top three things startups need to get off the ground if you were to advise a startup and they came to you or somebody says, oh, I want to start a company and people do that. People are in certain employments right now and they're thinking of starting their own thing. Maybe some people have even started, but for now, it's an occasional thing, what we call a side hustle or PP, mm. you know, and so on and so forth like that. Some people even feel guilty for doing stuff, you know, on the side while, while currently on, on unemployment. But what are like top three things? It could even be five that you could tell them, look, to get this thing off the ground, these are the top things you need to do. Mm. So I will start by referencing something you've said. For me, 
some of the best startup research has shown that some of the best startups actually startups that were started by people who are still working in their in the organization where they were some of them were ideas that the original organization the original company was not willing to pursue and so the founders were running it as a side hustle while still working until such a time when the business became properly validated and so or the solution became properly validated and so they exited and concentrated on that so i would say that one of the top things that a startup needs to get off the ground is a validated solution and a great vision there's no you can there's no um this thing to this you cannot do much if this is not in place so one of the things we we'll find in nigeria is that i don't know if you've seen some of those conversations where people say what kind of ideas I, i need ideas i can start with 50000 naira i need a startup idea um yeah, i don't know if you've had those kind I've of conversations been, yeah i've heard them i've seen some of them even online as uh, well awesome <laughs> awesome so those are not how to build startups and let's not conflict startup with smes okay there are two different things from my opinion so you don't build a startup and I, and I, and I believe I'm discussing startup now and not an SME so so you don't build a startup by that type of mentality because a startup is building a startup is intentional and and you build you start with scale in mind okay you start with scale in mind and that drives a lot of things that you do um so moving on the next great thing that you would need would be a great team driven by the passion to achieve results so the great team is very important uh for a startup to get off the ground um the great team needs to be people with domain expertise in the area that they are trying to make a dent in so you have depending on what type of startup or what sector you're trying to build on you have technical expertise and you have deep dominance parties so so you want to be able to combine those into you want to see that in a team that is driving the startup so those those are necessary you know for a start then the right the next one would be the right capital um the right capital hopefully patient capital you, you want to ensure that you have funding you make room for funding and that you take a funding from the right type of investors um uh, because there are investors you take money from and you know that would be it i i believe you know we run an angel network as well which is south south is angel network you know the investors we have in our network are not the type i'm talking about but then patient capital is required it's not you need people who are going to invest in you and the product or the business and support you to succeed and achieve your potential because of time i think i can stop at this tree um we can always have further conversations and you know extend the list okay so who do we need or who and what makes up an ecosystem i think that's a big question that um a lot very, of very 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 big question and it's a great question i'm glad you asked that question So I'm going to dimension the ecosystem in this ways, right? 
there is environment, on that environment, you'll be discussing government and regulators, right? Then there is talent, okay? Where you'll be discussing the professionals in the space um, that can support the startups in that, in that ecosystem, right? There is research. So you talk about large corporates around the departments, universities. Then there is funding. Um, so where you talk about the angel investors, the VCs, the PEs. So, so by VCs, I mean venture capitalists. PEs, I mean private equities. And then DFIs, um, development finance institutions. And of course, aid organizations, that foundations, or NGOs that typically give do grants, right? So you can have all of those people under funding. And then, of course, you need the startups themselves. You need the people building the ventures themselves. So these people make up the ecosystem in its entirety. So And everybody needs to be able to work together. They make up the stakeholders in the ecosystem. Okay, yeah, so I've talked about large corporates, yeah. So, so they, they provide environment for research, research and product development. So, yeah, so, so they participate. And, of course, some of them also participate in the funding, in the funding part of things. Okay, I mean, yeah. great stuff. I mean, one, one key player that you mentioned there is, like, the universities or the educational institution. And it's always yeah. been fascinating to me because even though we have a few institutions in Nigeria that try to play that role, um, mm-hmm. I think some have in the past, and they don't have much anymore. You know, we have some playing that role here. Um, we need a lot more of them playing that role. Because mm-hmm. you see, I did some extensive studies um, on this um, some, some years back, a few years back, and I realized that the only reason why you have the growth of some of these ecosystems, why it seems that see those ecosystems keep churning out great stuff and innovative stuff. It's the fact that whatever is learned out in the field is poured back into the, um, the educational system. It's almost like mm-hmm. poured back into the curriculum. And mm-hmm. so they are producing, they're graduating and producing graduates or, or students that are coming out of those institutions uh, who are ready for that environment. At least their knowledge is up to date as that to the most recent um, uh, uh, updates, you know, um, mm-hmm. or feedback from the environment. And then they go into the environment based on their own experiences and interactions again. All of that is then documented and taken back into the system. And they keep um, that cycle going. In that the cycle way. continues, yes. Exactly, you know, and so they, they're an integral part of it. And as a matter of fact, the, the what we call Silicon Valley today was largely the brainchild of um, University of California and Berkeley, UC Berkeley and um, mm-hmm. Stanford over 50, 60 years ago, you know, where they decided to pull in several actors, you know, and all the other mm-hmm. players you mentioned together in that sense. And so that's one thing that my own desire, my own desire for, for like our own ecosystem would be, is to see mm-hmm. greater participation. And it's like I said, greater level of participation from our educational institutions so that they can give more legs to some of the work that people like yourself do. I agree with you completely. The the universities need to do more. They need to also be supported to do more. I'm not sure you are aware that, um, okay, well, so, so, so some years back, I had to take 
I had to take the offer to go run the first um, um, technology incubation hub in any university in Nigeria, which happens to be Rua Hub um, in UNN Osaka. I took up the challenge to do that. And um, I think we need to see more of innovation hubs coming up in the universities. And we need to see a proper linkage between those innovation hubs and the academic curriculum and the academic staff themselves in such a way that you know you're able to infuse what's happening. While I was there, I, we, we were making moves to do a lot of this in UNN um, before my exit, right? So we need to see more of those kind of um, more, more of those kind of um, engagements happen. Great stuff. And um, if you had three wishes, let's say somebody came to you now and said, "Look, I can grant you any three wishes." in this area of work that you do in being an ecosystem builder. Mm -hmm. What would those three wishes be? You have a blank check. So so I would love to see more of Nigerians, um, high net worth individuals um, getting involved in the innovation ecosystem. I would want them to see it as both CSR, an opportunity to also make more money for themselves and by so doing i would love to also see a deepened innovation ecosystem in nigeria such that we can galvanize the massive youth population we have and channel them to productive use so the third wish i would love to see i would love to see more I guess it's connected to the first two, but um, I would love to see more, you know, as we say, it's more unicorns emerge out of the country and, and then compete compete globally. Those are the wishes or things I'd like to see happen. I'm glad I'm not the the genie in the, in the land that is going to grant those <laughs> There are no small wishes to grant you, Jake. <laughs> well, they're not also difficult wishes to grant. No, but they 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 require a lot of hard work and pressure. yeah. I mean, the yeah. first one talking about getting local investors on them—it's always been a bother. But I think you also can't run away from the fact that people are only um, say we're creatures of human beings are creatures of habit, and they're only going to put money behind systems and things that they are familiar with in itself and what they're used to, what they've seen. You know, you can't, it's difficult to tell somebody who's made money selling fabric, selling textiles. You, um, you know, somebody who's, who's sold physical goods to then take money and put it behind a solution that he doesn't really understand that, you know, doesn't really see the physical, you know, the physical side of things there. I mean, if it's physical goods, let's say somebody sells furniture. If you don't sell it, you can go and liquidate the furniture and then you can <laughs> Well, well, again, again, I think there's a misconception to the fact that startup is only imaginary things that people build. You know, that's a misconception. Startup is not startup is not necessarily ventures building imaginary stops and say software or whatever it is, right? The startup can be any type of company, right? Um, it's just that you need to be able to show that you can build something that at scale that does not require additional, much more resources to 
even grow to grow even bigger. So so uh, and 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 you can also scale and you can make that very, you can scale very fast. So those are like the a lot of the misconceptions I see a lot, and I understand. Then the other part, on the other part, yes, I agree with you that um, people would not naturally leave their comfort zone, and I understand that, and that's why that's the place of advocacy. That's the place of the type of stuff that we do. That's where it comes in. I just told you that we have an angel network. Before I set up that angel network to cut off for the region, I spoke to existing angel angels elsewhere, and um, especially like uh, in Lagos, and um, a few people were happy. Some other people dismissed it outrightly and said nothing is going to happen. Um, some people ask you where are the startups that they are going to invest in, right? And some people will say, how do you convince people to come and do this? But today we have over 30 members, 30 members in that network. We no longer support only startups in the South, South and Southeast. We support startups across Nigeria because we tend to see a lot of startups even outside our, uh, where we felt was our, our focus, reaching out to us to say we need investment. And you, for an investor, you can't see deals and you don't take those deals, right? Um, especially if those deals make sense. So, so we're not going to say we're not going to invest because that's not our focus if there's an opportunity to make money from it. So we invest across, you know, the spectrum, you know, including some African African startups as well. So we've invested in a number of well-known Nigerian startups you know today. We are behind some of those companies. I don't want, I'm not going to name names, but if you go on our website, you'll find out a few of them. Um, the website is not even completely up to date with the startups that we back, but you can go on, our, on the website and see some of them, right? So what I'm saying in effect is that I believe that people people will come around, people will turn around, people will begin to see the value in this. Um, the way there's something I keep saying to them, and I and I say to them sometimes that say, hey, listen, investing in startups is one of the best security investments you can make. And when I mean security, I'm not talking in terms of assets, um, assets classification. I'm talking in terms of threats, um, provide, protecting yourself from threats. You know, um, there's this thing about us that we feel that when we when we make money, we live in a secured home, we get security, armed security personnel to guide us. Um, but around us, so we build up walls, but around us are shanties, people that can barely feed. What you don't get is that when people are hungry at some point, and I think this has happened several in history. At some point, there's no amount of armed personnel in your gates that can put, protect you from their anger, especially if they think that you're the reason for their poverty, you know? So why don't you put aside part of your money as a way to encourage those of them that have enough sense to create value, to, con to create value and lift more people out of poverty as a way to protect yourself from threats, right? Because when you have so much inequality, so much poverty in the system, then you, you cannot really rule out criminality, you know. So I think also that one of the factors that will make people turn around more fa much faster is when they begin to see the type of exit that you mentioned in the opening statement, the, the type of exit, the type of successes that is being recorded. And so 
um, we factor all of that in in our advocacy. So we look forward to we look forward to you know having and promoting more of those successes as they come. But the truth is, I can tell you that some of the exits that we announced recently has made it more interest, interesting for some people to want to become angel investors. And we know um, the number of requests we get for people to join the network. So I think it's a good time to be an angel investor generally. And people are actually turning, turning around. Thanks a lot, Uchi. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to hear that we are making progress and deepening our ties. I mean, we are we are also putting our mouth our money where our mouth is and not just talking about it as well. And mm-hmm. um, I'm glad for people like you and others like you who are creating that environment, you know, are taking a chance and being ambassadors, you know, being advocates of collaboration more like it. I mean, mm-hmm. in fact, the job of an ecosystem is to bring bring together, connect different stakeholders, you know, in, in, in ensuring that the greater good is of everybody is put in front rather than mm-hmm. people's individual goals. So it's just aligning everybody's goals and ambitions that we can work together to achieve yeah. a bigger and greater goal. We're going to have to stop here today. It's always a pleasure chatting with you. Um, I personally get this thrill, get re-energized, get really inspired each time I have a chat with you. Um, this session is no different. Um, so I want to thank you for spending time with us on Blue Talks today. Uh, we hope that when next we call, that you will oblige us. The pleasure is mine, actually. And, and of course, yes, you know how to reach me or anytime. So. Thanks a lot, Uchi. I um, appreciate Thanks, it. Too. This has been an additional Blue Talks. Until next time. Bye-bye. Blue Talks, brought to you by Stambik IBTC. So my sister just texted me now telling me how much she's missed me. <laughs> well, I know what she truly misses. So I open my Stambik IBTC app and say to it, Hey, I want to transfer 5,000 naira to Funke. Done. And my post just asked me what the highest price stock is right now. Huh. I can't fold my hand though. So I open my Stambik IBTC app from the comfort of my home and figure it out. Got it. You be the hero. Upgrade and take control of your finances with the new Stambic IBTC mobile app. Download or upgrade your Stambic IBTC mobile app on Google Play or Apple Store to experience seamless voice banking, stockbroking, insurance, and more from the safety of your home. From your one-stop financial services partner, Stambic IBTC. It can be.